And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. It's a brand new edition of Seven Fifty Five is real, and we're glad to have you tuning in. Producer Cam here with you. It's a live room show of the podcast. David and Eric taking your questions in the Athletic app on Friday afternoon. Awesome questions all around. We really appreciate everyone who turned out and posed your question to the guys. Your guys' engagement, your guys' questions, your guys' constant feedback is what we look for. We love it. Thank you so much for just being engaged with us. It always makes the show that much more fun. If you aren't already, make sure you're following 755 is Real on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast, your favorite podcast player of choice. Also make sure... You're following David and Eric on Twitter at D'O'BrienATL at EOF34 so you guys can get updates when we do host live rooms in the future as well as when podcasts are up on those websites of your choice. And also make sure you are subscribed to us on YouTube at 755 is real. Try to post at least a weekly live stream there, if not more. Hopefully we'll pick that up a little bit more in the near future. In today's show, David and Eric recapping the Mets series, including Ozzie Albies' tremendous, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better walk-off homer. Also getting into Spencer Strider's off night and how Strider, even when his stuff isn't good, how he can manage and get through some of those games when he's not throwing that blistering 99-mile-per-hour-plus fastball. Also, Marcelo Zuna seeing a rare side to him. His pep talk to Michael Harris David and Aaron get into that. David also wrote a great piece about it. Make sure you check that out on The Athletic. And a quick sidebar, this is being recorded and the podcast is being posted late Friday evening after A.J. smith Shavers' first career start against the Nationals went five and a third, an awesome start that we'll dig deeper into next week. So make sure that you are tuned in, subscribe to us on all those different platforms. And without further ado, let me kick it over to David and Eric for today's episode of 755 is real welcome back to 755 is real the room edition wherein we uh take your questions and answer you in real time maybe we'll bring some people on but we'll take your questions for sure so if you got any about what was one of the i was just telling eric that might be the wildest series i think i've ever covered i mean where the team i covered Won all the games at least because, I mean that was that was insanity, man. They lost the Braves were behind at least three runs in every game, and won them all. I mean the Mets today have to be feeling like there's no way we ever we we beat that team anytime soon because the Braves are clearly the better team. But not only that, they just own the Mets. They win every one of these close games. It reminds me so much of my time with the Braves trying to chase Philly down. Because every year we'd get close to them, we'd be there, we'd be playing well against everybody else, and then we'd go into Philly, 
uh-huh. get it handed to us or they'd come to town and take two out of three and and they'd be these type of losses too where it's like the ones that hurt you know you're blowing late leads you're you're losing games you're supposed to win and it just it it's it's so similar so i know what the feeling's like on the other end and it's not a good one i mean last night they trailed 6 to 3 9 to 5 and 10 to 6 yeah before Going on another one of their late innings rampages. I mean, it's like every time the, the Mets would threaten to pull away, the Braves score three runs in the first inning. Spencer Strider has the worst start of his career. Gives up five runs in the second inning. Gives the lead back up directly. And against Verlander, and the Braves come back with a run in the next inning. Our arm side with two runs in the uh, third inning. <laughs> then they get another run in the four, in the fifth inning. Meanwhile, the, the the Mets have scored a couple more in the fourth, so they got a six eight to eight to five lead. Then they add another run in the top of the sixth, so they're up nine to top of the fifth, so they're up nine to five top of the sixth. And then the Braves just, yeah, I mean, that's when that's when you see like every team would fold its tents. It'd be like because it's not just once; it's like every time we score a couple of runs, they're thinking. Every time we score a couple of runs, they just add on a couple more. And most teams would be like, "All right, it's not our day. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll go get the Nationals." But the Braves want to win every game so bad, and they got so many guys. It's, that's the other thing is it's not just one or two guys coming up with these big clutch hits. Where in the past, Dansby always had these clutch moments. Freddie was always a clutch hitter. They've got like five guys on this team right now that have been doing this all year, these clutch hits, including Arcia, of course, who hits a ninth inning game-tying homer last night. This is a guy that a couple of weeks ago in Texas hit that ninth inning game or that ninth inning uh, winning home run. A guy that wasn't even going to be the starting shortstop, you know, where with a week left in spring training. Well, it's so nice that they're not all bunched together, too, because when you only have one portion of your lineup that's yeah. getting big hits and big knots and, and deemed clutch, I mean, you know what to expect from the top, and they're going to get big hits. But when you have guys at the bottom of the order, guys like Rosario, Arcia coming up big, um, and yeah. Yeah, I think Harris can do it, too. But when that happens, I mean, it, it's it's so nice because you can't dictate when the biggest yeah. at bat of the game is going to come up, and it's like this lineup one through nine, anybody can hurt you. Yeah, Albies last night is batting sixth and hits a three-run jack walk-off in the 10th inning. That place went crazy, and yeah. he's batting left-handed. So all the people that were that have been talking for so long about when's he going to stop hitting left-handed, he's not going to stop hitting left-handed, and that's why. Because even if the average and the OPS are way down below, below the from the other side this year, the home runs are there. I looked it up this morning. I was amazed. He's tied with Acuna for ninth in the majors or in the National League in home runs against right hand or batting right handed. Wow. I'm sorry. Against right handers. Against right handers. I'm Got sorry. It. Okay. Yeah. Against yeah. right handers. Ninth in the majors or ninth in the National League in home runs. Got nine of them. Nine of them. And that home run last night, I mean, what does he do if he's batting right-handed in that, if he's not a switch hitter? I, I dare say he doesn't hit it out because we had never even seen him hit right-handed in professional baseball, <laughs> you know, against against right-handed pitching. Yeah, so, 94 cutter away. I don't think he's going opposite field. On yes. I, man, that guy continues to amaze me. He really does. 165, 170 pounds at tops, about five foot nine. 
tops, probably more like five foot eight. And he takes a swing that does it's not even a violent swing either, like uh like say Sean Murphy swing. It's not even a violent swing. And he somehow generates so much torque, power, backspin from that little body. I asked Riley about it after the game last night, and Riley said, he said, dude's a ball of muscle, man. He said, I love me some Ozzy. He said, yellow yeah, ball of muscle. <laughs> and, well, and, I mean, and, if you think about it, if you took a normal 200-pound human, right, they're going to be at like 15 or 20% body fat. That's, that's like 30, 40 pounds of fat on them. Yeah. Ozzy's like four. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. at, at eight, you know, that's eight pounds yeah. of fat on like his whole body. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he's got as much muscle as your normal 200 pound ball player. It's just packed into a smaller frame. And there's been a lot of hitters over the years too that are, have short arms and that benefit them. And he's one of those, you know, he's got that compact little swing. Uh, but yet he can cover the whole plate, you know, he uses yeah. a pretty big bat for a, for a small guy. And he can uh, he can cover the plate, but they could turn on anything. I mean, pretty impressive. But yeah, Arcia comes through with a big one. Uh, Riley last night, by the way, hits his seventh first inning home run. The guy's only got eleven homers this year. I mean, it's a lot, but he's only got eleven. Seven of those in the first inning. So, I love, those yeah. home run calls made my night. Oh man, I wish I would watch it. I wish I could have been home to watch that one, but then I was glad to, they'd be there to cover it too. But I, I heard those guys were really good on the call last night. Yeah, I mean they were kind of messing around, but Frank yeah. was doing the Hawk Harrelson thing, and then that one in the night or the the walk off. Yeah, start the buses. <laughs> Poor Larry Crown is one of my favorite lines of all time. <laughs> is that what he said? He said, yeah, as soon as the ball's hit, Smoltz, said, that'll do it, start the buses, and then Frank Gore just yells, poor Larry a crown. <laughs> that was the reference. I saw that on Twitter. I was wondering what somebody was talking about. Uh, you got to watch it. You got to watch the highlight online, and you'll you'll. That's great. It's funny because that's, that's the type of stuff that's getting yelled in the clubhouse. You know, after the win, you're walking back through the tunnel. People are yelling random stuff like that. So it, it kind of took me back to playing. Oh man, that was a uh, it was just an unbelievable game. I mean, when Spencer Strider gives up eight runs in four innings, he'd never given up six run, more than six runs in his career, and that was last year. Or gave up six last year to the what Giants? I mean, I've never seen him look like he did last night when he gives up five. He, now he had the walk fest against the Reds earlier this year when Cranny came out and lit a fire runner. So what are you doing? But last night it wasn't walks. <laughs> he comes out in that second inning, and the Mets, you know, they do have some patient hitters. They're reeling right now, but they do have some patient hitters that will make you work. But he comes out in that second inning and gives up single, 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 gets a strikeout, then gives up another single on a bloop to Narvez, uh, then gives another strikeout, and then gives up a grand slam to Brandon Nemo. On a 95.6 mile an hour heater that was right down the middle. And that's why I was like, 95.6, you just don't see him do that, you know? Well, make, and that's make, the thing, you know, it, it, it gets highlighted that it's down the middle, but this is where he's got to recognize when he has his A stuff and when he doesn't. Yeah. Because when, he, when he's 99, that pitch is, is buying. Yep, agree. But he's had, a, he's had two or three starts lately. You know, I recognize it early in his in his appearances. You know, and it starts. I see him. I see them fouling off balls that they normally swing through. It's happened his last two or three. Yeah, where he's going to have to battle more. But he's got to recognize. Okay, 
I'm not the same pitcher at 95 as I am at 99. And exactly. that's okay. If you come out and you have 95 that day, that's what you got. You can't just decide to have more. So you got to pitch with that. But that's when he's got to recognize it and really either dot up, throw more sliders, spot up, but change his game plan. Maybe he's that change up a little with, more. Yeah, he's got to mix it up. And he's kind of stuck with the trying to overpower guys. And, you know, you wouldn't think three miles an hour is uh, yeah. a drastic difference, but it is. And it's yeah. also normally the days that you don't have your velocity, you're a little off mechanically where you're maybe showing the ball more and there's not the same life on that pitch. And the life on it's what gets all those swing and misses is that mm-hmm. true backspin, the extension. So I've kind of seen that. And I've just thought, you know, it's, that's going to be an adjustment he's going to have to make because he's not going to have this fastball his whole career. He's always yeah. going to have a good one. But it's an adjustment he's going to have to make where it's like, all right, I got my B game tonight. Then he has to have a B game game plan where you can't just attack hitters down the middle like that. Because when he has great- 99, he can go right down the middle. It doesn't matter. It's a great point because we were talking about this last night. It's so in evaluating his starts in these situations, it's really different than evaluating anybody else's because right. he gets away. Like you said, he gets away with fastballs down the middle because of his yeah. release point is lower than yep. almost anybody's. His extension is longer than almost anybody's. And he's like five foot 11. He's not even six yep. feet tall. So hitters are not used to that plane that it's coming in. It looks like it's rising, but it's just not sinking like everybody else's are coming down from a yep. downward angle. So all of a sudden, though, when it's not a laser at 99, 98, 99, instead it's 95. Like you said, that's a huge difference for hitters. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's just something, you know, he's got to recognize, but it does bother me when I'm watching his starts and when he does have the 99, he'll go 99 and just be blowing everybody's doors off down the middle. Yeah. And then the one ninety nine down the middle gets hit in the sixth inning and then his location gets criticized. It's like, you can't pitch there to big league hitters, but he actually can when he's right. When he's throwing 98, 99, it's just, it's a matter of recognizing it. Or if, if he's starting to feel tired, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a bad move on pitchers' parts when, when you see guys checking the gun, but it might not be a bad idea for him in the third or fourth inning just to peek up there after a fastball that felt good. And if he sees that 96, go go to plan B, which would be just locating or throwing more off speed. Yeah, and his uh, and his home run, to his two-run homer in the fourth by Francisco Alvarez, who had two homers last night, one of them off Strider, that was 95.2 fastball, a little up in the zone, but again, over the plate. 95.2, yeah. though. And uh, so this is the first time he's given up uh, – only the second time he's ever given up two homers in a game. I really thought when that ball got out that I was like, okay, they're not winning this one today because that didn't even look like a good swing. You know, it didn't look like he got it, and it still just carried out. Yeah. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
and the rest is history. I mean, the Braves just do what they did. They just stay in there relentless. Then a bullpen takes over, and it was Tonkin's first game back. When I thought they were going to lose was when Tonkin gives up the homer to Alvarez. And I thought, okay, the Mets aren't done yet. But that was the last thing they gave up in a sixth inning. It was his second inning, too. Tonkin went two innings in his first game back after that pretty long stretch on the I.L., so that was pretty impressive that I saw he gave up. I mean, because he was otherwise, he got a double play to get out of that sixth inning. Uh, they had two on, and he got in a double play. Could have avoided what could have been a lot more damage by Beatty, who can hit, man. He's a good hitter. Uh, and then they took, and then after that, you had the magician take over. Uh, or Jimenez first took over and had maybe his best appearance of the year. He's starting to yeah, really look good, by the way. He's looking like the guy that the Braves thought they were getting from Detroit. You know, it took him a while to get over that that arthroscopic surgery he had, back surgery he had after the season last year. But he's starting to really round in shape. Had two really strong innings yesterday with three strikeouts. And then Chavez does his thing, man, in the, in the eighth, I mean, uh, or the ninth. This guy is, uh, he's a magician, dude. He's a magician. But loads the bases and strikes out Narvez and this, 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 how's it, how's he pronounce it? Vientos. He, he strikes out uh, Narvez and Vientos back to back to get out of a basis loaded jam. I mean, I put the numbers up today on, on Twitter. I put it up all ago. Chavez and Bryce Elder, the guys we've seen walk a tightrope all year and get out of trouble again and again and again. Sure enough, they have by far the Braves best numbers. Whip and opponent's average with runners in scoring position. I, I, I put the cutoff at seven guys who've thrown 70 or more pitches because Max Freed, you know, hadn't thrown that many and he's got good numbers in those situations too. So with 70 or more pitches, those guys are far and away the best on the team. And Elders is second best whip in the majors among qualified pitchers behind McClanahan in those situations. But Chavez, I mean, they do it totally different, obviously. Chavez is just, I asked, I asked Strider about it. I said, have you ever seen a guy walk the tightrope more than, Sh- than Chavez? And Strider goes, well, Chavez does a lot of things more than I've seen anybody do because he's been around <laughs> a long time. And yeah. he talked about how he changes up. He uses all his pitches, dots, uses both corners with all his pitches, and will throw anything to anybody and just mixes up every, everybody. Yeah, and I think it, it definitely for both of those guys, but definitely Chavez, it plays – into their hand that they don't put up a 98 or 99 on the mm-hmm. gun or anything. You know, if, if you come up against, you know, say prime Kimbrel bases loaded or something like that, you're not thinking I got three ribbies right now. You're just going to battle and try to hit a single. I think when, when the guys come up against Chavez or elder and they're seeing that 92, they think this is my guy. This is my chance. They try to do too much, but these guys are making pitches and putting it in tough spots where they get bad swings. Um, but you know, I mean, you got to give him credit. He he doesn't buckle, and you got to give Snit credit for letting him work through it. You know, I'm sure once in a while it's going to backfire, and you give up that crooked number. Mm-hmm. But he does he does have confidence in him, and every time that you get out of that situation, you build confidence in yourself, so you don't panic. But Snit's letting him work through it, and it's working right now. Okay, let's take a few questions here. Um, Thomas D asked. Oh, I'm glad he asked this. When Hilliard pinch ran for Olson in the tenth, would it have been Col- he used Olson? Uh, Olson made the last out in the ninth, so he was the ghost runner in the tenth, or he would have been. But he's also the slowest guy on the team. Him and Sean Murphy, uh, and RC is not far behind. But they so Snit was going for the win, obviously, and he pinch ran Hilliard for Olson, right? So I'm sitting up there going, okay, who's going to play first if this thing goes to eleven? 
and I knew it had to be Riley or Culberson, and I didn't think they'd move Riley over from third that late in the game and stick. And then who goes to third? So I asked Riley after the game. I said, "Who was going to play third, by the way?" And they eleventh. He goes, "He said I think it was Charlie." So it was it was obviously not Riley because they didn't tell him it was going to be Charlie Culberson was going to bat. It would have been Charlie's first appearance since he got here. He's been here for like three weeks and hasn't played, but he would have been the guy at first base in that situation. And I agree with Snit doing it because you got to get that run in and. Olsen doesn't score on like a, a most singles. He doesn't score from there or any single probably because he's that slow. Hillier can run, man. That dude's like one of the two or three fastest guys on the team, and he does score on single. You got to go for it there. So as it turns out, it didn't matter. But uh, yeah, that was that was that was the deal there. Um, I was the last out last night, but just watch rewatching maybe the best broadcast, uh, regular season, best broadcast regular season game of all time. Everybody seemed to love those guys. I'm sure they'll probably do it again, given the uh, reviews of it. And, and and man, they could not have had a better. You could not have hand picked a better game for those guys to do this. Right. Because it, it looked like a blowout for a while, so you're just filling time so those guys can tell all their stories, right? Yeah. Then it goes twice as long as most of these pitch clock games are gone. And then you have all this tension late in the games and to have, you know, a couple of Hall of Famers in there, uh, three Hall of Famers and Frenchie also to talk about everything that's happening. I mean, that's just perfect, man. It was great. They, they didn't do any kind of play by play. So there's a lot of like, you know, weird moments right. of silence. And right. stuff. But as far as I mean, anytime you can get Chipper to talk and give him time to talk, the stuff he said about hitters, how hard they're working, the things they're working on the way he sees guys. And then you got Glavin and Smoltz. They, they called Maddox, you know, yeah, I heard about that. And then Frank Corey, you know, I feel like he just kind of, he's with those guys. So he was kind of goofing off a little more, but he says the funniest shit. It's, it's, it was a, for me, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but it was good. Um, somebody asks, uh, let's see, this is a G Ask, should they consider skipping a start for Strider as Velo was noticeably lower and the schedule is a little easier the next week or so? I'm sure they'll talk to him. I asked Strider after the game. I said, point blank, how did you feel? And he said, I felt great physically, felt fine. Um, he said, you're going to have some good ones and you have some bad ones. And the only, the only thing that I would say is he had a, he had a few pitches over 98. So it's not like he never got up there. He did. He got he had quite a few, actually. But the thing that stood out was he usually doesn't throw nearly that many that low. And he he went down to 94-something on one. Yeah. for You just don't see that from him. So um, given the innings and the fact that, you know, he had that DL stand at the end of the year last year, so he still hasn't had a big uh, uh, innings total in his career yet. At some point, you would think they would probably skip him anyway, given, you know, the the effort that he that he's a strikeout guy. Obviously, he, he throws plenty of pitches. He get, I mean, he's a it's a power arm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ask him, hey, how what you feel about uh, taking the start off? Did it help you? That kind of thing. Like you said, this is a little lighter week in the schedule and with the Nats and Detroit, they could do it. They could skip him. It's not easy to skip him right now because the Braves don't have a whole lot of depth, obviously. They're starting there's Schuster. They're starting one guy that's barely made. He's made six, seven starts or whatever. Uh, now they're starting Smith Shaver tonight, who's never started. It's his first, second major league game, first start. But yeah, you could bring up, uh, I think Dodd's eligible now. Yeah, you could bring him up and have him fill in a start if you wanted to. Um, uh, or bullpen game if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to rest. Because you do also have a couple of off days coming up in the schedule, uh, one Monday. 
and, and then after that, after that series too, I think so. You could, you could do that for sure. Um, you know, even just keeping the pitch count down a few times, it'd be nice to have a, a comfy lead going into the fifth or sixth. It's tough to do with him though. You know, with yeah, all the strikeouts. when he's piling up strikeouts, you're like, I don't know, man. Because sometimes though. though he has like a 12 pitch inning with three punches. Yeah. But if you can yeah. get a couple times where you limit him to 80, you know, I, I always think that works out better long term than just pushing him back a day. Yeah. Nick T. Nick T says, uh, who do you see making the all-star team from the Braves? Well, Strider, despite last night's game, he was uh, he was being mentioned by, I mean, a lot of people as the NL Cy Young front runner before last night. I'm sure. I mean, it's one start, so that's not going to change anything long term. But that's just how highly that's regarded good. he is because the strikeouts. Bryce Elder's got to make it, obviously. I mean, look at a guy. Look at his numbers. He's got to make it. Uh, then you got Acuna, obviously. He'll be the leading vote getter probably like he was last year. And you got, uh, I think, uh, Murphy obviously makes it. He should be the starting catcher. He's been far and away the best catcher in the National League, better than Real Muto. So he's got to, he'll make the team whether he's a starter or not. He might not get vetted in because he's new to the National League this year, but he'll make it. Um, I think Olsen with the RBIs and the extra base hits and the, and the home runs, I think Olsen will probably make it as a backup guy. But I see it. It's going to be tough because he doesn't have the name to it. You know, he's not. And he missed that. And he missed that. And he missed almost a month. I think that the three weeks. So the numbers are. That hurts you. He deserves it, though. He's certainly deserving. You know, depending on, you know, who's picking and all that, he certainly deserves to make the team, man. Those are the guys I always want to see the big push from the team on because they don't get too many chances to be an all star. You know, so when they finally have that year where they put it together and 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 they pretty much you know i think he should be because of the way he's played and he's been a difference maker but those are the guys i always root for because you might only get one shot in your career yeah he's been huge man been huge i mean that contract he signed for the year that contract the total value of that contract he should be making more than that per year if he's the starting shortstop i mean what a bargain for that thing for the braves even as a utility guy, he should be making more than that. But that another great contract for the Braves, and he was happy. I mean, he's happy to have some some uh, some uh, security. You know, know where he's going to yeah, be. Yeah, that's like an, that's old reliever money. You know, yeah. old middle yeah. reliever money he's making. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, man. Uh, I don't know. And then uh, and then if you want, I mean, really get out there, get a little crazy there. You could. Uh, you could say Jesse Chavez deserves it. He won't make it, but they they do take not just closers nowadays. They do take occasionally take setup guys. It's changed over the years, but you know they're going to take the guys with all the strikeouts and the saves. But uh, he's had a hell of a year, man. So far, Jesse has. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's so hard to make it even as yeah. a full setup man. You better be striking out twelve per nine. Yeah, Riley's close. He's making his push now, but his numbers aren't. Where the his average is up over 280 now after he had that four hit night last night. He had a couple of infield hits. Uh, so he, but there's still plenty of time for him to make a push. But that's, 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 those are the guys. The Braves should have like four all stars at least, I think. Yeah, they really should. I mean, they're the best team in the league record wise and, and doing all this without Max Fried and Kyle Wright. We've talked about that. It's pretty amazing. So I'm really but, curious if he's going to do the home run derby because I'd like to watch it. I think with he's with he's health, when he's healthy now with the knee and all that, and he's playing every inning of every game. I think he'll do it. I mean, he did the one in winter ball this year. Oh, he did. 
Yeah, he did the he won the one in Winter Ball down there. I think he'll do it. I really do. He loves that stuff. And his buddies will be in it too. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think I think he'll probably do it. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh update on the injury squad. Max Kyle and trade targets. No, don't have any trade targets yet. Uh Max making progress, really throwing now. I saw him, he was bouncing around the clubhouse yesterday. He was really drenched in sweat. He'd had a hard workout out there. So he's he's getting there. It, I think he'll. it won't be too much longer before he goes on a rehab assignment. He'll throw some live BPs and then go on a rehab assignment. So I think that's still a good target around the all-star break for uh, for Max. That's what we thought all along. Kyle, he's not throwing yet, man. It's not, gonna, it's not any time. There's no timetable at all. And it'll surprise me if he's back before mid-August. Really will. I think, I think if they get him for September for the, and have him healthy, they'll be happy. They'll be happy for the stretch drive, but he's just not throwing yet. That's yeah, the going, you know, I mean, it's at this point you, for me, I don't plan on a guy contributing that much because you come back sometimes and you've missed two months, three months of the season. You have a rough first month or you're, you're still trying to get your legs under you and find your stuff again. It's, it's honestly like starting a whole new season. Yeah, absolutely. Going to do the whole spring training again. Everything, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and spring and training against hitters that are locked in and been hitting for yeah. five, six months. And this is twice now that he's had this this uh, this shoulder thing, and and cortisone shot in January didn't take a, didn't didn't work very long. So I mean, that's that's a that's a red flag. I mean, they're not going to push it. If they no. need to shut him down the rest of the season, I, that wouldn't surprise me either. But right now, I think they're he's hoping to get back, you know, for that last month or so. Um, why has Jimenez been used so little? Well, I mean, you know, coming back from that from the uh, arthroscopic surgery, he struggled a little bit earlier and had some little some little nagging things. But uh, basically, they're just Snitz making sure that he's ready that that uh, they don't overuse him. Um, so that he's ready down the stretch because he's been he's had some he's had a couple of really good appearances lately. Last night was the best though, and he looked yeah. look how well he pitched when he was fresh last night. I mean yeah. that was that was impressive last night. Uh, so you start to recognize as a manager too which guys you can kind of beat up and they're better the more they pitch, and then you recognize which guys if I give him two full days off or three full days off he can come in and throw two nasty innings like that, and you just pick you pick and choose your spots for him. I think you already answered this. How does Jesse Chavez get out of the situations like last night? Balls. <laughs> yeah. Big balls, man. Cajones. Cajones. Yep. He's learned so much in all his years in the major leagues. And it's the stuff that you cannot – a guy can be the smartest kid in the world, have great stuff and all that, but you can only pitch like he does from 15 years in the major leagues and get yep. – getting your dick knocked off and bounced around from team to team and learning and learning and totally revamping how you throw. I mean, this is a guy that used to pit, used to throw 99, you know? I mean, you knew him back when he threw hard. <laughs> and he sucked. He sucked when he threw 99. <laughs> I mean, all the stuff that he's learned since then. Um, and his control, I don't, you know, it, you watch his misses and he is, if, if it's a ball, it's, it's an inch off. It's not like he's cross firing or missing. He's always putting the ball where he wants to and he's got balls. And I can tell he's really, really confident right now because he golf clapped himself on the way off the field last night. That yeah, was a yeah. loaded close game. He didn't do a fist pump or freak out. I always, the relievers that you see going crazy, that always tells me they weren't sure they were getting out of that. 
for whatever reason last night, he knew he was getting out of it because when he did, he he gave himself that little light golf clap, just walking off the field, no fist pump. So I feel like he's just building more and more confidence. And, and you know, it's so huge when you get in these situations to know that you got the ball and your manager's going to let you dictate what happens and not yank you before you have a chance to work out of it. And Snitch yeah. showing that confidence in him is just going to build more confidence for him. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, here's one for you, dude. It says, uh, Eric, I would like a, bl- a player's perspective. How would you as a player feel if you were on the Mets and just got swept and Showalter said, I'm proud of them and all the other stuff that seemed like it was avoiding accountability and downplaying it? I feel like it would annoy me. Well, I mean, you got to say something to the media after the game. Uh, they they all know how shitty things went. You know, they all feel bad enough to you have your manager just pile on and say, you know, I don't know what to do. It's not my fault. These guys just, you know, anything negative yeah, or, yeah. or down about your team never does any good. You know, right. I mean, nobody's harder on, on themselves than the players. So I don't think that you really react to it at all. You just know he yeah. has a job to do and he's going to say the thing he's supposed to say. Yeah. But you know how the series went. You know, you guys just yeah. got your asses kicked and you feel bad enough. So there's, there's never any reason for the manager to pile on. Um, so for me, he's just doing the right thing and what he's supposed to. Man, between that season-ending series last year, keep in mind, this is a Mets team that won four out of five against the Braves uh, in the second half last year in that big series up in uh, New York where they had to make up a rain yep. uh, make up a doubleheader or make up a rain out and a doubleheader. They took four out of five, and it looked like they were in complete control, really, of the division. Yep. Then the Braves keep whittling away at that lead, and then the Braves swept them in that in that last weekend of the regular season last year. And to me, that was when the Braves that was it. They 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 spent the whole season chasing them down. That was a total playoff atmosphere. Those three nights, like it was the last three nights, by the way. But those three nights, that weekend series at Truist, and the Braves swept them with their best pitchers. And to me, that felt like. That was when both the Braves and the Mets used up way too much energy and were both just came out, had nothing left when the postseason started. But 
how would you feel the Mets between that season, that series at the end of last year when they swept you, and then this series where you build a three to four run lead multiple times in every game, and the Braves win and sweep the series again from huge crowds at Atlanta that are just mocking you. Plus, you lose uh, Alonzo. He's going on the aisle today with the after getting hit in the in the in the uh, left wrist by uh, Charlie the other night. One game after one game after Alonzo gives the Braves a, another catchphrase to use for the rest of the year. Throw it again when he was yelling at Elder and Charlie was not throwing at him. Everybody knows the game, including the Mets, know that Charlie was not throwing at him. But really, that just it just it just you know underscored everything that went wrong for the Mets in the series. Yeah, and I didn't think, you know, those are the things that it's unfortunate for him that that was caught on camera, but we're talking that shit all game, every oh, yeah. game. You know, oh, yeah. that, that wasn't really anything out of line or a big the, deal for me. The, I don't think. Absolutely. It, but, you know, the fact that the other team hears it, you know, definitely yeah. puts a target on you. And, you know, that's just how baseball works. Like for me during my career, I was always so afraid to show any cockiness <laughs> or do anything <laughs> like that because I felt like the baseball gods were watching and they were going to humble me. And it's just how the game works. You know, if you have this yep. moment where everything's going your way and you want to dance and soak it in and all of a sudden you're just on your ass. And that's, that's how the game was for me my entire career. So kind of just sums it up. But yeah, if you're, if you're them, you know, I mean, it's tough not to peek at the wild card or start looking at yeah. other options to get in the playoffs after that. That was an ass kicking. And Cohen, who spent three hundred and sixty million on the payroll, I think it's close to five hundred million or so with the <laughs> over four, well over four fifty with the uh, luxury taxes and all that. Um, he's got to be thinking, okay, something's gotten somebody's got to be held accountable for this. Heads have got to roll. Well, people just don't know you can't buy chemistry. Yeah, you can't absolutely. buy with the, you can't buy a vibe. What the Braves have is something that's. It's it's built from years of experience. All the coaches, I mean, from their coaching staff, front office, all the way down, the vets they have, you don't win games like they won without the right vibe. And they have it, and it's not something you can buy. Yeah. 300 and what? 350 million, 360, $360 million payroll. I mean, they got, their payroll is like $100 million more than the Yankees, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like historic. I think the 500 million figure I was thinking, I'm, 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 uh, I'm getting my things mixed up with the Warriors. Cause well, it's, that's it's a lot Golden of damn State money. Warriors. Yeah, that's... the Golden State Warriors are going to have to spend, if they are to keep their whole team together, including luxury taxes in the NBA, they're going to have to spend like 500 million for a basketball team. <laughs> for, yeah, for 11 but, um, or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, it's the Mets have like blown through all his all the historic payrolls. They got a payroll that's like, yeah, do it, uh, different. You look in different places, see different figures. I see three fifty three here. I see three fifty nine that uh, that uh, uh, Kenny Rosenthal had today. The Yankees are at two seventy six. The Yan- the Padres at like two fifty, and then you go down to like eighth. The Braves are just over two hundred two hundred four million or so, two hundred five million. I mean, which well, is a lot. Could be lot. making three fifty though. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a lot. There's they some did friendly smart. deals. Um, so hey, before we go, I wanted, I had, I, I really wanted to mention. I'm sure you saw this. We saw another side, or we heard about another side of Marcelo Zuna that we really haven't heard much about, or you don't see because this is the kind of stuff that goes on in the clubhouse that you don't always hear or see. But after Michael Harris had his breakout game, the game that everybody, including him, has been waiting for the other night. He had the three hits. He had the he had the big home run, uh, big RBI double, the two run homer, the bunt single. He made a terrific game 
probably game-saving catch in center field, uh, running, leaping catch. After the game, he said, the first thing he said was he credited Marcelo Zuna's pep talk from the night before. The, the last at-bat of the Tuesday night game, Ozuna goes up to him and says, man, don't worry about it. You're one of the best players. You're the best center fielder, not just in the league, but in the major leagues. You're the best center fielder. You're one of the best players in the game. Don't worry about what's happened to the season to this point. Your season starts now. Just believe it. Don't worry about anything else. Just believe in yourself. He gave him a little pep talk. Oh, and, 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 and it's like you've talked about this. Sometimes when somebody says something, it just hits the right note. But Harris said, I went out there. He'd lined out in that at bat. He and he it. said, he said, and that started for him. It turned everything turned around because the next night he goes out and has by far the best game he's had since last year. And the first thing out of his mouth when we asked him about the game, unsolicited, he credited Azuna for the pep talk. He said it made all the difference in the world. You just, you know, when you get something, you you look at major league ball players. You say it's a pro athlete. He's got to be confident, right? I mean, you just assume it, and you assume everybody knows how good they are, but. I mean, sometimes you just forget, and it, it's such a mental game. It confidence and and your mindset matters so much. Um, you know that was a huge change for me coming over to the Braves. Bmac would tell me, he's like, "Dude, your slider breaks different." And then every when you have that in your head, every time you throw that slider, you believe in it that little bit more. But it's it's crazy. You just forget to tell your teammates how good they are. And when you have teams that are telling each other what they do well. Mm-hmm. It just means so much coming from a major league player and a guy like Ozuna that's been around so long. He's seen a lot of good guys. When he tells you you're the best center fielder in the game, he's not saying that just to fluff you up. You know, he he means it. And I just think it's something that gets overlooked, but that's just another, you know, credit to chemistry and all that stuff that we talk about and how much it matters all the time is you don't have those conversations in selfish clubhouses. Yeah. Your teammates just sit at a different table and let you struggle by yourself. But it just takes one teammate saying one thing that gets you into the right mindset, and it can change your whole season. And I think that's a great example of it. Harris said, he said, he said, just believe. He told me, just believe in myself and go out there and not worry about mechanical things. Just go out there and play. He yep. said it means a lot because my main goal is to go out there and help the team win anyway. And I felt like I wasn't really doing that as much this year. To have a night like this is something you can really get me going, and I'm excited for it. Uh, they was down in the tunnel that uh, Ozuna got him before he went out there. Um, uh, and he had the bunt single in that game, by the way, that he did totally on his own. He had noticed how I they were playing him. He, he, just he was, anything. Yeah, he said he was waiting for the opportunity to do that last week. He was thinking about doing it, but nobody had really played him back. He said after one strike, Beatty backed up, so I took the opportunity and laid it down. And Snit said it, I, he loved it. Snit loved seeing him do it. He thinks it could be a real weapon for him, for Harris. Um, Ozuna, about that pep talk, said, I've been in that situation a lot. I was having that situation a little this season. So I know how important it is, how you face those problems when you're struggling at the plate. You want to produce and everything you're doing is going down the hole. So I told him, hey, you're the best center fielder in the league, not even the league, in the whole MLB. So you got to trust yourself. Starting now. Your season starts now. So don't worry about a thing in the past or just forget about everything and start the season now. He said, and today he came in with a good attitude. You can see it on his face. Well, and that's the best advice you can possibly get in the baseball season if you're struggling, you know, because it's it's so hard to walk up there and look up on the scoreboard and see your 160 average. Yeah. Give yourself a hard reset, a fresh mindset and say, I'm just keeping my stats from this day forward. I don't care what I've done. It's the hardest thing to do is let go of how much you've struggled so far. Just turn a new page and 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 reset. But 
And that's a guy that, I mean, who better to talk you out of the slump than yeah, the Yeah, it was in a massive one through April. Uh, asked him about being, the, you know, the importance of being a good teammate. And Ozuna said, I always think like that. I always worry about how my teammates are doing. That's why we're a team. That's why they call us a team. He said, I just want to see everyone happy. We asked him, who was a, who was a role model leader for you like that? And he said, I had Placido, I said, I had Placido Polanco, Martin Prado, named a couple of the guys. And he said, I'm all, and I'm always talking to Big Poppy. So I, he said he was talking to Big Poppy a couple of weeks ago, right for the Oakland series. And Big Poppy watched the video. He asked Big Poppy about what he was doing. Big Poppy said, I'm going to watch the video. Let me see what you're going on. What's going on? And he, Big Poppy called him back and talked to him about it. He said, uh, he said, stay patient. The results are just going to come. Just don't rush. Um, but he said, uh, Ozuna said a big poppy. He's my idol. I've got four idols. My favorite players ever, Manny Ramirez, Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, and Vladimir Guerrero. And he says that those to me guys are unlimited. They're like the sky that they're, they're unlimited talent. So yeah. anyway, but it was cool to hear him say Martin Prado. It was like, yep. You always hear yeah, Martin Polanco, Prado. You're talking about guys that have rings that he's looking up to. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was really cool to hear that for anybody that's, you know, wondered, you know, and, and assumed that because, you know, the, the the bad stuff that Ozuna did off the field and got in trouble for uh, and how terrible he was in the first month, people assume that, you know, he's a bad he's bad in the clubhouse or whatever. And that could I, and, and we tried to explain a few times. You should never assume those things just by seeing watching what you're seeing, you know, uh on the field or how a guy looks or whatever. Cause in the clubhouse, it's a whole different dynamic and his teammates have to do it by him and love the guy. So, and this is a good example of why. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a great example. All right. Anyway, Hey, we appreciate all the questions. There's a lot more. Sorry. We couldn't get to them all, but we are out of time here for this room. And, um, we like doing these and we get through a few more of the questions. I think just reading them off, but, uh, We'll see what you guys think between reading them off or if you if you like that better or like coming on here better. But but we get through a few of them like faster doing it like this. So but anyway, appreciate all the feedback and thanks again for joining us here. And we'll be back with a regular podcast uh, at the start of next week. The Braves go up to Detroit. Um, so we'll talk about the national series. Oh, I got Smith Shaver going tonight, man, in his major leagues first major league start. Everybody's looking forward to this. This this is kind of like yeah. that when you when they moved Strider to the rotation a year ago at Arizona. We were looking forward to that. That's kind of how I am with this. I really want to see what this kid can do. Getting you know pitch multiple innings. Yeah, he just got moved a lot quicker. Yeah, for sure. After one relief appearance instead of almost two months. So that'll do. Let's do that for six. All right, everybody. Thanks. Seven fifty five is real. We're out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.